0: Welcome to the newest episode of Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. I'm your host Jason Fraley, picking the brains of the top filmmakers, musicians, and artists of our time. Actor and comedian John Lovitz cracks up the Hollywood Casino at Charlestown Races in West Virginia on Friday night. I spoke to Lovitz about his career from Saturday Night Live to The Critic to A League of Their Own. And we even introduced our dogs to each other on Zoom. Hey, John Lovitz, thanks so much for joining us on WTOP. My pleasure. Now, we are here talking about your upcoming show at the Hollywood Casino in Charlestown, West Virginia. Uh, still part of our DC uh, listening radius here. So it's going to be on August 12th. Uh, what do we got? Uh, you know, yeah, the Hollywood Casino. Yeah, exactly. Well, I don't want to, you know, bury any of your punchlines or spoil anything, but is there a way you could talk about, I don't know, what sort of topics do you cover in, in the current routine?
1: Oh, my, just everything that's going on in the world, just basically, you know, kind of everything, politics, and, and it's not really political, but a little but uh, you know, and all the stuff about words you can't say, and just all this, a lot about that and, and social changes that, which, you know, it's to me, it's like it's changing so much. Like in the, in the 1960s, there was, you know, the, they called the generation gap between the parents and the kids, and, and it was, and it was just a massive change. And, and I feel like that's happening again today. And, and so there's stuff that's going on that I always assumed was, you know, fact. And it was like, no. <laughs> and it's just such a massive change, you know. And so it's just it's just talk dealing talking about that in a in a funny way.
0: So it's a massive sea. You're saying my point of view. a massive sea change in society. Well, it is,
1: now, don't like, you think? Like, I mean oh,
0: yeah. I, oh absolutely, absolutely. And uh so you're gonna riff on that a little bit, have a little fun with that. Um, any anything else, not you know, non-political, you know, anything personal lifestyle? Oh, yeah. Or, no, I make I talk about me or...
1: you know, Yeah, I make fun of myself. I play the piano, I sing silly songs. I, you know, it's, it's, I I cover pretty much everything. It's a very, I'd say the show is like smart and silly and immature.
0: (laughs) Well, that's basically me. That's what we've come to love about your, your you know, your skits yeah. and your movies and everything over the years. Awesome, awesome. Well, we can't wait to to see you out there for a, a fun night of comedy at the Hollywood Casino. Uh, whenever I have someone on, I love to sort of remind everyone how you got into this comedy racket to to begin with. <laughs> I know you were born in uh, L.A. in like uh, '57, but uh, do do you remember like certain comedians or actors or anything that that you admired growing up? Like who were some oh, yeah, of the, the well, comedy uh, legends?
1: Totally, yeah. It was. Um... I was 13 years old and I saw Woody Allen's, uh, I didn't know who he was, his first movie, Take the Money and Run. And that's when I said, I want to be a comedian like Woody Allen. And then three years later, the movie about Lenny Bruce came out, starring Dustin Hoffman, called Lenny, and it was just great. So I went and bought Lenny Bruce's records and Woody Allen's records. And I used to do their routines in my dorm. And they had a talent night and I would memorize their, you know, their certain uh, routines they had and jokes and, do those. And then um, I wanted to be a stand up. I, I went to uh, UC Irvine, University of California at Irvine. And then after a drama major, but I said, after that, I'm going to do stand up. And this guy teaching a stand up workshop said, Oh, they're not hiring stand ups for sitcoms. Well, they were, but you know, they weren't hiring him. I don't know. So I thought, Oh, I guess I'll skip that step. And then I got Saturday Night Live and, and Dennis Miller was like you could be a stand-up. And then I became friends with him and Dana Carvey. You Dana, they were two of the best stand-ups. You could be a stand-up. And i I met Robin Williams actually when I was in college, but he was on the show. I You think I could be a stand-up? He's like, Yes. <laughs> and he was the biggest one. And Eddie Murphy, and Eddie Murphy befriended me. And I said, Do you think I could be a stand-up? He's like, Yes. <laughs> so I have four of the best stand-ups telling me I could do it, but i I would get up and I, I would just be so nervous. My heart would be pounding in my chest, but I, so I would try stuff over the years, but about 20 years ago, I decided I really wanted to do it. And so I went to the laugh factory and the owner, Jamie Masada uh, put me up on stage and then he gave me, let me have an hour show and spent two, two years working on it, you know, getting an act together. And I kind of had a head start because um, Normally it takes like ten years, but I I kind of had a head start because I already knew. I go, well, "Who am I going to?" You go, "Who are you going to be on stage?" And I go, "Well, you have your comic side of you." I go, "Oh, I've like on talk shows." I go, "Well, I've already developed that." Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. So that that cuts out five years, <laughs> and then Dana Carvey gave me great tips. He go, "He goes, have fun on stage, uh, do a short setup, and then stay on topic." You know. There's an art to it. And so that helped. That saved another two years. You know what I mean? So tips like that really helped. And, and I would just I would host shows with guys from Saturday Night Live and then co-headline. And then after and then after about two years, I headlined on my own. So awesome. I worked my way up, you know, and, and now it's 20 years later. I mean, I'm a lot better than I was.
0: I would hope so. <laughs> when I
1: started. No, I use Yeah, you know what I'm doing now, but.
0: Yeah, I would hope so. It's Why really we,
1: fun. Yeah. Do any of
0: us really know what we're doing, or we're we just making it up as we go? <laughs> yeah, I think <laughs> but, uh,
1: so. But the fun part is to just always try to get better, you know, right, and improve, and then and then it it stays enjoyable. But if you walk through a show, then it just it stops being fun, you know.
0: Yeah, exactly. Well, like you said, to have the vote of confidence of Robin Williams and Eddie Murphy and Dana Carvey, all you know, all the legends in the beginning, I'm sure yeah. that that was a boost. It's for huge. Take me into some of your, um, you know, a lot of our listeners r- r- love all of your SNL stuff. Um, and we'd be here all day if we mentioned all of them, but I want to highlight a couple that people will remember. Uh, tell me about Tommy Flanagan, the pathological liar, anonymous, <laughs> uh, that famous line. Yeah, that's the ticket. Where'd you come up with that, that, that character?
1: Um, it, it's from old movies in the thirties, like the thin man. And
0: oh, I and, love that um,
1: movie. And, uh, I was in the Groundlings Theater, which is an improv and theater group. And I, I wanted to, I love the old movies. So I go, oh, I wish I could play that part of that part. So I would just, you know, kind of imitate that character, but then create a whole comic idea behind it. But The Liar started a, a friend of mine, a girl I liked, and she, and she goes, I like a guy with a fat wallet. And I go, well, my dad just had 15 oil wells come in. <laughs> And then I did it, uh, they had a panel, they had six of us on stage and you say your, your name and what you do. So mine was like, hello, I'm Tommy Fl- Flanagan it's, his name's Flanagan, but he even lies about that. You're right. Flanagan. He says Flanagan. Flanagan. <laughs> and uh, I'm a member of pathological liars anonymous. In fact, I am the president of that organization. So I thought of, you know, if you, alcoholics anonymous, you know, if, if you're in that, it's not funny it, it, at all, but, um, but I thought, what if there was a Pathological Liars Anonymous? Because you hear in AA, people get up and they say, I'm Bob, and here's my story. Right. So I go, well, what if a Pathological Liars Anonymous and guy gets up to tell a story? I go, well, he would just start lying about it. And, and then it just made me laugh. <laughs> that, and, and then I, I wrote it as a monologue in The Groundlings. And then we got picked to do it on The Tonight Show. And it was March 28th, 1985. And that kicked off everything.
0: Oh, absolutely! There was Master Thespian, Hanukkah Harry, the Devil. There were so many, so many good skits on SNL. But remind them, um, uh, a lot of our listeners, at least, at least my age, uh, you know. In addition to SNL, will probably remember. What is
1: your age?
0: Do you want to know? <laughs> I was born in I was born in eighty four, so I'm coming up on thirty eight this fall. So yeah, I know whippersnapper. Now nah, I'm getting up there now. But <laughs> uh, when I rem- started Saturday Night Live, you were one. Yeah, and I was cracking up. No, see that that's a Tommy Flanagan line. I was No, baby, older... well, ba-
1: I can make babies
0: laugh. <laughs> you made us laugh. See, I remember you doing stuff on The Simpsons and pivot, you know pivoting that into, into the critic. Uh, remind us uh, just how fun it was to work on that because it was some it was some Simpsons Well, uh, I did some this Simpsons, that... I did. Yeah,
1: yeah, I did four shows. And then and then that summer the movie A League of Their Own came out. Right. And it was a big hit. So I started getting offers, and so, and so Jim Brooks went to Al Jean and Mike Reese, who created this, uh, 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 who ran The Simpsons, and said, they go, what do you want to do? A show. They said they wanted to do a show with me, and it was going to be a sitcom, and then they changed it to animation. And so they, they created the character, but they wrote it for me. And I remember going in to meet them, and I said, well, they go, what, what's the character? Now goes, you. And I go, I, I go, okay, is this the character? And I just went, hello. And they go, yes. You go, hmm. <laughs> is this the character? What? They go, yes. I go, oh man, this is the easiest job. <laughs> <This is me." laughs> but you know, you gotta make the scenes work. I learned in in voiceovers, the easy part is. You don't have to learn your lines. You have, you have the scene on, a, on like a music stand and you can wear whatever you want. Like I'm wearing tennis clothes now. You know, you can, you just, it's very comfortable. But, you, but to, to, to be effective, you still have to really act the scene out and do everything that you would do. Otherwise it doesn't, it doesn't work, you know, because it doesn't come off in your voice. And um, that show was, uh, it was, it was just genuinely, I read the script I wanted to see a script and I read it and I laughed out loud like 10 times and that never happens. Most of the comedy scripts you read, they're just not that funny. Yeah. And this thing though was hilarious. That's a good sign when you
0: laugh 10 times.
1: Oh yeah. It was just, it was hysterically funny. I thought, so, you know, I was honored that they created a whole show for me, you know,
0: that's very cool. Um, and as for, you mentioned A League of Their Own, which I think they're actually rebooting as a TV series like next week or something. On but, Amazon, yeah. Amazon, yeah, yeah. Um, but you mentioned that you were also with Hanks in, uh, in Big. And then, it, honestly, it seemed like all from the 80s and 90s, almost, you
1: could pick. Well, the- Penny Marshall befriended me. I met her. The very first thing I ever taped for Siren Live was a short film. It was in Central Park and Madonna was the host. And it was she's supposed to be driving along her car, like in the country at night. And she keeps hearing this noise from her hood and she opens it up and I jump out and jump on her. that was the premise of the film. And so we broke for, well, it's two 30 in the morning, uh, lunch, but you know, get something to eat. And uh, I sat across and Penny was there. And she just befriended me from day one. And she was just wonderful to me. And she put me in Jumbo Jack flash and big and, and then, um, A League of Their Own was originally supposed to be with Jim Belushi and the Tom Hanks Fall and and David Onsbach, who directed Hoosiers and Rudy was supposed to direct it. But my part, uh Lowell Gans and Bob Blue Mandel, they wrote the script, they wrote it for me. And and so I was going to be in it. and And then it didn't happen. Then a year later, Penny was directing it. And I was, I got the part, you know. But they every time I see them. Uh, Bob was like, I wrote, we wrote that for you. We've never written that part for an actor before, or since we wrote it for you, you know? And I remember reading that script and going, I have to play this part. This is hysterical.
0: Yeah. That's gotta be a good feeling that they wrote. it. For oh
1: you. yeah. Oh yeah. So honor. You know, they wrote on happy days or the movie splash and parenthood. I mean, they had a million hits and uh, great writers.
0: Oh, yeah, and a little trivia. We got to tell our listeners that with Big and A League of Their Own, I believe Penny Marshall became the first woman director to gross $100 million twice, I think. So that those two put her on the map. You had a role that was hilarious. And honestly, for a while there, in the 80s or 90s, you could pick any – successful comedy and you sir usually had usually showed up in some way like i remember you would show up in um in uh, uh three amigos uh coneheads uh city slickers two uh, wedding singer i mean well, you- Conehead,
1: yeah coneheads and 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 three amigos you know lauren michaels produced those so he put me in those which was great and then and then um yeah and then wh- what was the other one oh city slickers that's that's when after um a league of their own came out I, people were mad at me, my friends, because they're going, Lavitz is getting everything, you know. <laughs> but because of that heat, I, I had The Critic and I had a, what was, yeah, City Slickers and, a, oh, the movie North that Rob Reiner directed, yep. which was, it didn't do well, but it was so much fun and what a great cast. And, and then, and that was Castle Rock Pictures. Then they hired me for City Slickers and, you know, and playing Billy Crystal's brother was great. He was great to me and a <laughs> great guy. I love doing that, you know, and being in a movie with him and Jack Palance. I mean, it was just. It was fantastic. A great part. Oh, I'd yeah. say League of Their Own was probably the if people go, what are your best movies? As far as doing a character. I'd say League of Their Own. And then as far as like. Kind of just playing yourself, like not doing a character, but. It's, yeah. It was a city slickers. And, and it's interesting because I understood that character because. He would blame everybody for his failings, you know, and he's always a victim. and And I remember I used to kind of be like that. I was like that, and then when I turned that mentality around, that's when I started succeeding.
0: Ah, okay, gotcha. So you flipped it, and then you know you noticed it paid off. Well, oh, you know yeah. what? You you listed, and, and we both listed, um, you know, the the more famous comedies. But I have a little underrated one that you know wasn't as big as those, but I just crack up every time I saw it. It was that spoof. You might know what I'm going to say. It was that spoof movie. Um, uh, Loaded Weapon, Weapon. 1. <laughs> it's a it was a spoof. It was a spoof of the Lethal Weapon movies. And, you know, the Lethal Weapon, the sequels had like the Joe Pesci sort of sidekick role. But I guess sort of you sort of fill that slot in a way in the Loaded Weapon uh, 1, uh, Emilio Estevez and Samuel. Well, Daniel. the
1: I the uh, Jeffrey Bohm was the screenwriter, wrote those movies. And I ran into him. And, and um, he said, you know, I wrote that part for you. Now, Joe, I just saw Joe recently. Um, Joe Pesci Joe made it his own. And when he goes, okay, 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 okay. You know, that wasn't in the script. He, he, he met some kid that did that. And he goes, I want to do that in the movie. And he goes, here's how I'm not going to read. He, I just saw him. He said, I'm not going to read for you, Richard Donner, but here's how I will play the part. Okay. okay. And he did like that. And they hired him. And he was great in it. So, but Loaded Weapon, I was actually spoofing the Joe, I was spoofing the Joe Pesci part and I was spoofing a role that was originally written for me. Oh, okay. And I remember, yeah, Joe Silver produced it and Richard Donner, you know, great director. And he goes, well, you're going to have to audition. And, you know, it's a third lead and big actor. I go, okay. And then I never heard anything, you know. (laughs) (laughs) No, that happens a lot. You You know, what can you do? Sure.
0: Well, I I that thanks for that trivia that it was originally written for you and then Joe got it and then you kind of come full circle spoofing it. But yeah, um, I I I invite our listeners to check it out because I think it's it's right up. You know, everyone talks about the Mel Brooks movies. Obviously, they're hilarious, and you know the airplane and the other Austin Powers. There's great spoof movies, but Loaded Weapon One, man. I yeah, <laughs> stars Sam
1: Jackson and and um, Emilio Estevez. Uh, they were really great to work with. You know. And I was excited to work with both of them. They're both great actors, you know? Oh, yeah. Oh, and yeah, yeah. That movie was. Uh, yeah, it's like a, it's like an airplane movie, you know, like the airplane, the Zucker Brothers movie.
0: Yeah, exactly. Naked Gun. That that's sort of like every every line is is just uh, some kind of a spoof off the wall thing. I, I know, I, I
1: added that it was so stupid. I was so dumb because I, uh, Amelia, we're looking at this boat and I added this line, I go, I go, look at that engine. Look at the way, there's kind of like a sheen on it. <laughs> yeah. So I go. yeah, but do you see the. Sheen. sheen you know sheen. yeah that, of I mean, course because he, he it's is it's a sheen, yeah. Yeah,
0: he's the in... sheen family yeah that's really yeah. good it was something that about that era there it could be the stupidest thing i mean even um tom arnold did the stupids which and i still cracking up you know i don't know there's something about the era of comedy that i just i love and i sort of miss it i don't know if they really do spoof spoof like that anymore but um bring it back sir bring it back um <laughs> Well, cool. And anything more? I mean, we covered the 80s and 90s pretty good. Anything, you know, 21st century, anything newer That any roles that you were particularly proud of, either TV <laughs> or, or, or film? Um,
1: I've had some great parts. The movie uh, 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 Happiness that Todd Sollins directed. I'm only in the opening scene, but it was a. That was that was a great part. It was only and it was only one day, but it's It's a scene where um, a, a, I play a guy being dumped by a girl, and, and it's probably their, well, in his mind he's being dumped, it's there's probably their second date. <laughs> and in his mind, it's a relationship and
0: yeah a long term. but it was
1: it was a really hard scene to do. It was challenging because you know uh, you know, I've been dumped and it's hard you know and someone says something to you and we can't go and. And then, like you know, three days later, you go. I should have said that uh, this and this, you know. Well, he—that's the scene where the guy she says, "I don't think we should see each other anymore." And I go, "Okay." And then it just turns, and I, you say all the things he wrote that you want to say that oh, you write cool. then. And so it was—it was, it was very satisfying.
0: Yeah, that's a—that's a, that's a it. but that's it was—it cool
1: was a tough scene because it, he wrote it so great, and it was. A, the scene it's like it's like funny, it's sad, it's like it's kind of a little scary. The guy goes a little nutty. The, I mean it had like everything in this one scene.
0: Right. It's, it's God, God was great more... to
1: work with. He's really, really smart. And um so it was fun to, you know, work with him on that movie. And he wrote it and directed it. And, and- um
0: and it, uh, it showed you could do a little more, a little more range, You're a little more dark comedy, a little scary, like you said. Well, I can do it. The
1: thing people don't understand about comedy. I had this great teacher, Ralph, uh, Tony Barf, is called Acting for the Camera. He wrote a book about it. And he had this guy, Ralph Levy, direct, uh, teaches comedy one summer. And um, Ralph used to produce and direct the Jack Benny show and the Burns and Allen show. Yeah. And he said, look, it, when you do comedy, he goes, I did a scene for him once, he goes, and I was a drama major at UC Irvine, University of California, Irvine. He goes, well, where's all the stuff you learned at Irvine? I said, what do you mean? It's the same? He goes, of course it's the same. And then he said, look it, when you do comedy scenes, you do all the things you do in drama and then you add the comedy on top of it. Right. And then you, you're, you know, it's funny as the actor, but the character you're playing is oblivious, you know? Right. And that's what makes it funny Because you want the audience to laugh. Right. And so I, that's how you do it. That's how I do it. And so when people go, can you do drama? I go, well, of course I go, I'm going out of my way to be funny. (laughs) Yeah,
0: exactly. You're already doing the drama. You're putting the comedy on top of it. Right. Um, I, it really, it, it it really, um, you know, bugs me that, that I feel like comedians come, come awards time. Um, then they don't get the, the love, uh, the acclaim as as drama. It's funny, isn't
1: it? Because everyone says that all the dramatic, Oh, I can't do comedy. It's so hard. You know. you know, can you do drama? I'm like, yeah, it's not, it's yeah. not hard. Uh, I mean, it is hard to be a great actor. Don't, you know, oh, I yeah. would you know, a great comedian, a great actor. And there's like, you know, five, right. Yeah. And I'm not talking about me. So sure. it is hard to be on, very hard to do, but they always say how oh, comedy is so much harder. Right. But then they never, Right, there. they don't award
0: it, yeah. No, because
1: you know, it's not serious, you're not being serious. Well, what, what and, was it? and you, then you go, well, What do you mean? I'm not being serious, I'm serious about my work. My yeah. you're, the, the the it's just stupid because you're, you're trying to make somebody laugh, or you're trying to, to get an emotion out of them, mm-hmm. so you make them laugh, you make them cry, you scare them, whatever it is, you know. And so, I don't think one is is a uh, better than the other, no. but the problem is. Is it with comedy? Is you need to have a sense of
0: humor. So if you don't have one, you can't do it. Right. Exactly. Well, and it's and it almost you know when you look back over history, it's almost it's almost hypocritical this whole acclaiming drama versus comedy because in in hindsight, you know the Academy they hold up the Chaplains and the Marx Brothers and the Buster Keatons, but those people weren't winning Oscars. They 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 had to get a lifetime achievement. Right. Award. They don't
1: they don't no. award a lot. Of, they don't award the comedies like say the Oscars. Right. But who do they hire to host it, <laughs>
0: and who gets slapped? <laughs> yeah. That was insane this year. But um, I like that <laughs> Will Ferrell and John C. Riley and someone else did a whole thing at the Oscars one year. They were like, "Oh no, comedy, yet. no comedians at the Oscars." It was really funny. But anyway, I just wanted to hold up the. They're the just art jealous. Of
1: That's the thing they want to. I, I know these a lot of these people, and they're they're kind of uh, not the great actors. The if you notice this. When I say the great actors, like you know, uh, Marlon Brando or Al Pacino or Jack Nicholson or Robert De Niro, have great senses of humor. There's a lot of of comedy in their work.
0: Yeah, you mentioned Jack Nicholson, and I w- I was looking at the v- little Venetian blinds behind funny. you. The, look at the Venetian blinds behind you. Do you remember in Chinatown he goes and uh, what is it? Bert Bert Young is he's like whoo, and Nicholson goes, "We don't pay to eat the blinds, Curly." <laughs> He, You know, it could be a serious role, but he was funny, to your point. Well, but, uh, like
1: I said, the, great, the truly great actors are uh, very funny, yeah. have a lot of humor in their work. But there's the people below that that have no sense of humor. So they're, they're, they're arrogant. So they're like, well, you do that silly stuff. You're not a serious actor. Yeah, right. Which is, I go, which is absurd. I go... Really? Let's do a scene together. I go, I'll run circles around you. Of course. And you won't even know what, you won't even know what's happening.
0: Right. You, you, you pull in Jim Carrey and he could run dramatic circles around. Anybody. Oh yeah. You know what I mean? So- Jim
1: Carrey, you know, I learned something from him. Uh, he did, um, when he did Ace Ventura, by the way, they offered that movie to everybody. And no Me. One it. And I remember reading it. You was, turned it down? Was, yeah, it wasn't funny. And right. And, and then Jim did it. And Jim, I know for 12 years before he hit *Nays venture Sure. But I or, or in Living Color. But I said, um, I said, first of all, I said, why did you, why did you do it? Because I saw it. It wasn't funny, the script. He goes, I know. I <laughs> go, so why did you do it? He goes, well, I figured I'd, I'd work on it and rewrite it. Like, well, let me rewrite it for three weeks to right. fit my humor. And then if I, I think it's, if I like the script after that, I'll do it. And I went, oh, that was yeah. smart. Exactly. And, he made it and, but the other, what he does in that movie, which is really interesting, is there's one scene. You know, he's being over the top and big and doing all that. We're it's talking hilarious. Talking out of his butt. <laughs> yeah, but there's one scene where it's him and Courtney Cox, and he's, he's not doing any of that. He just kind of stops and goes, she goes, why do you do that? Or she says something, and he goes, he just kind of goes, yeah, you know, I just, you know, I did this and this. And he's very serious, you know. And then you go, oh, so this other guy is like, it's a guy who's has had a tough life or sad, and he's trying to have fun with his life. You know what I mean? So then it, it, you buy everything else. Right. It was, it was a great uh, uh, think, move to do, you know.
0: Oh, absolutely. The line that gets me every time is when he knocks on, he knocks on the door and the, he gets a shotgun in his face. He goes, hi, I'm looking for Ray Finkel. And a clean pair of shorts. <laughs>
1: Yeah, he's hysterical, Jim Carrey. Oh, and yeah. a very, very, very nice guy. And what a talented artist. Yeah. Yeah, I don't understand that because I can't. I like play piano. Okay, you know, and I like to sing. I have a nice voice. Yeah. But, but I can't paint or draw at all. And there's so yeah. many actors that are great. Yeah. At I just saw a thing with Johnny Depp. Just sold four paintings. Uh, did you see those? No, no yeah and the, that one is of uh i think it's al pacino and marilyn monroe and some but they're paintings yeah but you look first you look at it it almost looks like a photograph and he, but they're paintings and i go man that guy's good. i mean he's great it's like i don't i don't understand how someone can have that much talent johnny depp's just naturally talented you know he didn't he didn't want to be an actor he, he was a musician and um I did a movie with Nicholas Cage, Trapped in Paradise, and Dan Carvey, yeah. and and Nicholas said, you know, he's one of my good friends. He goes, I got him started as an actor. I go, what do you mean? He goes, I said to him, you should be an actor, and I introduced him to my agent. And the first thing he auditioned for was Twenty One Jump
0: Street, and he got it. Oh wow, is that crazy? Wow, and w- and that was his first TV series. I know he did um, Nightmare on Elm Street. Uh, you know, was an early ro- movie role, and then of course Edward has hands in the race. yeah, but that was
1: his first job.
0: Yeah, and. Uh,
1: wow. And, um, you know, he's doing concerts with Jeff Beck on that level. I mean,
0: Jeff <laughs> Beck's not gonna, yeah, coming
1: on. You know, if he couldn't really play and do all that stuff, he's not going to be on stage with a guy like that. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's amazingly talented. It's cra- crazy.
0: What's your, what is your, do you have any like side hobbies? Not painting, maybe not, but any, what, what do you, what do you, what is John playing his, playing The kids?
1: piano and singing? I like to sing. And so, yeah, I've gotten to sing like the national anthem at Dodger stadium a few times. And oh nice the, the tennis, the U S open. And I got to sing at Carnegie hall and I got to sing on an album with a friend got me the job with Robbie Williams, you know, from England. The, and we got to do a show at the Royal Albert hall. Cool. And, um, but I've been really working on my singing lately and trying to, and I'm putting together a, sh- a show where I sing and it's like calm, I'm funny and I sing. Right. The great band, this guy, Randy Waldman, um, he's Barbara Streisand's personal piano player and he's, he's one of the best in, in the industry. And so Kenny, GM friends, I think Kenny introduced him to me. So I'm working with Randy and the, the guy's like a genius piano player, you know, he's right, right. really high level. So I gotta work on my singing and bring it up, you know.
0: <laughs> Where did your so singing? I didn't know
1: how to do stand-up and and I and but I liked it. So, yeah. you know, I I realized if I if I if you put in the time that it, that's what I realized, if you're if you put in the time that you're if you're willing to do what you have to do and put in the time to work on something and just keep trying to get better, you know, you can do pretty much do almost anything oh, that yeah. you want. Oh, absolutely. I wouldn't and, and so uh I realized I did stand up, which is really, it's not acting it is, but it isn't. It's very different. I don't know how to explain it. It's similar and different, but it's acting the the scene. It's a scene between you and the other, and other actor. stand up. It's between you and the audience (coughs) and you, and you're the only one talking. And uh, like someone said, Jerry Seinfeld said it like in the beginning, a stand up, a writer, you know, they're like, their act, and then they'll deliver it like an actor doing a monologue. And Jerry said, it's, it's, um, it's not a monologue. It's a dialogue between you and the audience. And I remember thinking, how can it be a dialogue? I'm the only one talking, but it's kind of like I'm talking to you now and you're like going, shaking your head going, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm,
0: yeah.
1: right. It's that. It's that. So you have to d- deliver it in a way that the audience is following you and they're with, you know, they're not losing track of whatever you're talking about. And it's, uh, it- it's, it's very interesting. And then you'll like get to a punchline. And then she said no, right? And all of a sudden you gotta swallow and run right into the punchline. You go, and then she said, Oh, they're like, What? Like, Damn it. I just worked for a minute building that joke up.
0: Yeah, it's gotta be it's it's, of, it's, it's really interesting. Quality.
1: Yeah, it's fun. When at work, when it's when you get in the rhythm and, and just golf so you go, I learned you go, get out of your own way, like just go.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, and the really, more wait.
1: you need the audience, you need them. Yeah. The more they're into it, the, it, it gets you excited and you're more into it than that. And it just feeds off each other. It's great.
0: Oh yeah. It, it, it ran. It's symbiotic, sir. Uh, yeah. Well, real quick. You That's the word. There you go. We had to throw in the $10 word. Um, you, real, before we go real quick, you mentioned, you mentioned Jerry Seinfeld. Uh, I love the episode that you did of Seinfeld. What was it? The the scofflaw or whatever you played Gary Fogle. You were the, uh, what do you, you fake. It turns out you fake. Yeah. Dad, Larry cancer.
1: David. It's funny that week. Uh, that I shot that show, I also shot uh, uh, Friends, and Friends had just started, and I, I uh, Lisa Kudrow, her brother David, is. we became best friends when we were 11 years old, so I, I grew in Tarzana, California, so I grew up with, with Le- her family, her, par- her parents, David's like my brother, and Lisa and her other sister, Helene's like my sisters, you know, I grew up with their family, and their parents like my other parents, you know, I was always there, and I've known Lisa since she's like five and um but anyway and then i and then i'd done a movie with courtney cox mr destiny in like 1988 so now it's 1994 and they called me both of them said what would, would i guest are in there they have a new show called friends Would i do it and it wasn't a big hit it it just started
0: some so, new show called friends
1: <laughs> yeah so i did it and uh and then i was supposed to shoot it on a monday and on and the, the day before Larry. uh David called me, you know, and he said, Hey, um, could you, there's this part I'd like, I want you, I'd like to ask you to do on Seinfeld what is it? He goes, well, you play a guy who has cancer and everybody's really nice to you. And then you find out that you don't have cancer, but you don't tell anybody you pretend you still have it because everyone's being so nice to you and you like it. Yeah. And I just started laughing. I go, well, that's like the sickest, funniest thing I ever heard <laughs> do that. So I said, yeah, I'll do it. But I, I go, I've got to do friends, you know, Monday, can I come in like Tuesday and Wednesday? He goes, all right. So, so I did both of those. I did I think friends on a Monday and, and uh, Seinfeld on a Wednesday.
0: Wow. Two that was, that days. was
1: a fun week.
0: Two of the but most by the time bad.
1: friends, they were treating me like I was, do- I was their first like, you know, known guest star. Right. And, um, <clears throat> so they really treated me like I was doing them a favor and they were except for Courtney all the other actors they were totally unknown totally except for Courtney and so oh my god quiet it's my dog come here th- I'll introduce you. it's my dog he gets
0: I think th- when I do these interviews I think your dog's favorite show is friends in Seinfeld <laughs> this is Jerry Bruckheimer the third. Jerry come here Jerry Bruckheimer is the dog's name no, Jerry <laughs> Bruckheimer, the third. Oh, the third. I got to get it right. Hi, Jerry Bruckheimer, the third. What kind of dog? He's a teacup Great Dane. A teacup Great Dane. Well, let's let's ask him a question. Hey, Jerry Bruckheimer, the third. How is John Lovitz as a doggy daddy? Do you like me? <laughs> <laughs> <That's a> yes. <laughs> I don't know if that was a sneeze or a snorter, but I think I think that was an, an no, my friends.
1: They're always going, you spoil that dog. I go, Why? Because I have a bed for him in my car and I, I take him on trips and oh yeah. It's nice to him. I, yeah, he's the it's uh, he's a, re- a rescue dog. A, but he was a puppy when I got him.
0: Oh yeah. My wife and I spoil our dog too. So it's okay. If hey, you're watch. spoil he's, him? What are you he's doing? Sitting in- next to me right here. I go, you wanna yeah, you wanna say hi? Nice to meet you, Jerry Bruckheimer the <laughs> third. Liberty, come here. We're gonna meet, we're gonna meet the dog. I had a cat, it was Jerry. Buddy. Here we go. Say hi to Jerry Bruckheimer. This is Liberty. <laughs> hey, Jerry, Brooke. Hey, look, a doggie. <laughs> look, a doggie. I don't think she understands Zoom. <laughs> so John Lovitz's hey. dog has met my dog. There you Jerry, go. Look, look, look. I don't think they understand screens. Can you see the doggie? Can you see the doggie? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for indulging on that one. Uh, let's uh, bring it full circle. John Lovett's coming to Hollywood Casino. Uh, why should they come? T- talk to our listeners. Tell them to come on out.
1: Well, you know, you should, I mean, if you like comedy shows, you should come to the show. And um, as far as, you know, the show's rated R, it's 21 and up, you know, you can say whatever. And, um, and I always say, you know, people go, what if someone's offended? I go, look, if you don't, if you don't have the ability to laugh at yourself, you shouldn't go to the show. Right. It's that simple. I make fun of myself. I make fun. That's my job. You know, and people always go, do you change your act because of where you are? I go, well, no, how, wh- how can I, it's, 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 a, you know, a room full of strangers. I don't know what someone's going to like and not like, you know, I just yeah. try, I just funny the way I'm funny.
0: If you start playing that game and trying to tinker it based on the town or the audience and you, you're that you've already lost. You just got to stay true to the comedy. Yeah, to and, like and, it or not. And
1: it's, it's a comedy show. It's your job to make fun of everything, right? It's, it's just. That's your job, you know. And every every comedian is presenting their sense of humor, right? You know what I mean. But um, so so that's what you do, you know. So then, if people say, "Oh, you made a joke, but you meant it," you go, "Well, yeah, I I meant it, but I I meant it in a humorous way." Yeah, in a you say things in a serious way. Right. You know, everyone has their point of view. You know. Right. And some of the stuff I say is so ridiculous. It's funny, you know. But it, 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 but it would be like like loaded weapon. You know, if you saw that movie and goes, so when when they shot you and you died, you go, "Well, I didn't really die." You go, "No, no, I saw it." They <laughs> put your body back. It's like going to a comedy show going, "Well, when you said this and I right. mean you you were joking, but you weren't." You go, "No, it's not that I was joking and I wasn't. I was joking."
0: Right. It was a stand up routine. Yeah. Well, yeah.
1: You know what? Everyone says, why are you a comedian? And I just said, I really like making people laugh. I like making them laugh. I, I've always been like that, you know, in high school and college, as, you know, I was the class clown. I remember it being college. I'll tell you a quick story. You know, I had people come up in college. Why aren't you ever serious? I go, like, well, I don't know. What do you mean? You're never serious. I go, I don't know. that's just me. That's just how I am. So so one day they had this thing, solar energy day in my school. So they, there was a notice on the drama bulletin board where they would post auditions and everything uh, looking for someone to write a sketch with this theme, comedy sketch. So I answered. I go, I'll do it. And I have fr- and I got three of my friends. I go, you guys want to do this? Day? Yeah. So I wrote a funny sketch. I don't we were bees or something. I don't know. And I, but I wrote it. And so we go, and there's this uh, uh, in front of the library, there's these giant steps. There's like 350 people. So, anyway, we did the sketch, and it was funny. You know, it worked well. It was funny. And then uh, this guy was next. He goes, Can you introduce me as, as the first stand up comedian from Russia to perform in the United States? I said, uh, uh, Sure. What do you, who do I say? He goes, Nikki Lennon. I go, Okay. So I went, Okay, now, ladies and gentlemen, I'm proud to introduce you, you know, the first uh, stand-up comedian from Russia, the first stand-up to perform in the United States from Russia. Please welcome Nicky Lennon. And then the guy does like 45 minutes, and he was hysterically funny. And it was Robin Williams. Oh, my God. And it was, but this was like nine months before he was on Mork and Mindy.
0: Oh, so no one really knew. No one knew who he
1: was. I didn't know, but the guy was just you know hysterical so then afterward he said god that was so great i go so i go hey did you happen to see my sketch he goes yeah i go what do you think he goes well you know at first you start you, you imitate other people but then you find your own your own voice i go okay and i said by the way do people ever come up to you and say why aren't you ever uh, uh, serious he goes oh yeah yeah i go yeah me too what should i say he goes oh just say you know why aren't you ever funny
0: that's great that's great i never
1: forgot that yeah
0: glad you told
1: you know people that don't enjoy life and are are curmudgeons you know i'm glad
0: i'm glad you brought up that imagine
1: don't go to a comedy show
0: Right. It's great. I mean, you, it ties into what we were talking about because Robin Williams, he was like, all right, you want me to do a drama? Cool. I'll do good will hunting and I'll win. But at the same time, he's the, <laughs> like the funniest guy of all time. Rest in peace. Well, he was
1: like, I mean, he was, you know, a, a trained actor at Juilliard yeah. you know? and I had training, I'm not comparing, but I had training at, uh, you know, UC Irvine, you know, Irvine, but all my teachers were, uh, you know, the, from the uh, two of them that uh, had their Emma masters of fine arts from Yale, which was Juilliard and Yale considered the two best yeah. uh, drama schools at the time. And Yale, you know, is top school. And then I had a, William Needles, who was from the Stratford Festival in Canada, a founding member and uh, had a big influence on actors like uh, uh, Maggie Smith. Always says, oh, Bill Needles, he helped me. You know? mm-hmm. He was my teacher and taught me Shakespeare. And, and uh, so I had I had really, you know, top notch teachers in training. So, you know, you learn how to do it, you know. Not just me, everybody, you know, that went there.
0: I always quote, "What is it?" That line from in in um in in make them laugh and singing in the rain. He says, "You could you could charm the critics, to be quite elite, or slip on a banana peel and the world's at your feet." <laughs> make them laugh, baby. Yeah. All right. Cool. Well, again, John Lovitz, thanks for making so much time for us here today. You're coming to. Thank you, my Hollywood Hollywood Casino. Everyone, come check them out. Thanks so much.